Oh, I have outlines back there. So uh, if you need one, and I am going to try to stay on point. I, there was quite a bit that went on with this particular teaching as I pulled it together. And I finally did have to call pastor. And that's unusual. I haven't had to call pastor in quite some time. <laughs> but I finally did. And I said, I'm all twisted up in it. And he goes, okay, what do you got going? So, you know, I'm talking to him and everything. He goes, no, I think you're okay. So um, if you looked on Facebook, you saw the, the blurb that says, a rose is a rose is a rose because God set it up that way. And we're going to be talking tonight about producing after your own kind. And it, if we if we think about it, uh, the Bible declares 10 times in Genesis 1, 11 through 25, that everything created by God and was given power to reproduce its own kind. So if we turn to Genesis and we start in verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth, forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And if we jump to verse 21, it says, God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said in verse 24, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. You know, so, and why I say I got twisted up in this, because all of a sudden I started down disproving evolution. And I was like, no, 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 that's not where we're going. Because it's like, it's like God said, according to its kind, according to its kind. And that's why I said a rose is a rose is a rose, because God set it up that way. He set it up that way. The proof of this eternal law from the natural perspective is found in these verses. We also see it again after God decides to destroy the earth with flood during the time of Noah. And I started laughing because we were talking about floods a long time ago and wondering why God didn't use a flood again when uh, when he needed to fix mankind. Instead, he sent Jesus to the cross. And uh, I was like, yeah, had it been me, you'd need another flood, you know. But floods weren't working. If you look at it and think about it, the floods didn't work. So, you know, and God is all about success. But anyway, in Genesis seven fourteen, it says, They and every beast after its kind, 
all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. So we continue with this after its own kind. All species exist in greater variety, and these are variations, normal growth, or minor changes within the same species or kind. Now, you can see how I was going down this evolution path when I read this, you know, because, you know, people talk about evolution and things evolving and this, that, and the other, and the Bible says something totally different. The Bible says something totally different, but I guess the key there is, Do you believe the word of God? If you don't believe the word of God, then I guess you could fall for evolution. But I think it takes more faith to believe evolution. And that's just a public service announcement right there. But anyway, (laughs) for example, there are many different types of roses. I'm not a gardener. I don't like getting my hands dirty. So bear with me when I talk about this. But there are all types of roses. There are tea roses, and that's pretty much the extent of what I can give you on that. I'm sure there are some gardener people that can give you some other roses, but tea roses is all I can give you. But there are also many colors. They're red. Now, this I can do. Red, pink. Now they've got orange and yellow and each one means something yellow is friendship and red is passion but they're all still what roses they're all still roses and because it's pink doesn't make it a daisy it's still a rose a rose by any other name is still a rose and will smell as sweet according to I think it was Shakespeare, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, of course, the largest example of this eternal law, meaning everything producing after its own kind, is the human race. That's really the biggest one. I mean, if you just look around this room, you can see that example right here. Tall, short, thin, a little wider. (laughs) A little while, a little more hair, a little less hair. But you're all one species. You're human. And if you were to reproduce, guess what you're going to reproduce? You are not going to produce a rose or a daisy or a dog or a cat. You are going to produce a human. You know? And there are variations Look around the room to see the variations. But that does not change the fact that you're all human. Amen? Amen? That's why I tell you, I got I got twisted. I got twisted because I got all excited. And then it was like, you're not talking about evolution. You're talking about producing after its own kind. This is an eternal law that was set into existence by God. And after more than 6,000 years, the law of reproduction is still unbroken. It is still unbroken to this day. I don't care what they say. It's unbroken to this day. And, you know, um, Diggs, when I was reading through my Diggs, he was talking about mules, which I thought was pretty interesting because a mule is a, cross between a horse 
and a donkey. That's how you get a mule. But do you know mules can't reproduce mules? How about that? You must have a horse and a donkey to get a mule. Two mules can't come together and make more mules. Is our God not awesome? But they're still of the same species. You have not moved out of the species. And that means you can't. You can't. It's an unbroken law that God set into motion. While this may not surprise you guys, but this works in the spiritual realm as well. Now, that surprised me. I was sitting in service one day, and I don't know why, but all of a sudden, you know, it was like this thing about reproducing after your own kind. And all of a sudden it said, this works in the spirit realm as well. Spirit situations or spirit things produce after their own kind. We produce fruit too. And the fruit that we produce is after its own kind. It may have variations, but normal growth or minor changes, we get different fruit. And the different fruit that we get could be according to the spirit or the flesh. But you're going to produce fruit of some kind as a spirit being. And these spirit fruits produce after their own kind. If you turn with me to Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, period. It said fruit, one, love. Should have been a period there, but there isn't. And the variation or the normal growth out of love is joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So out of love, out of the spiritual fruit of love with normal, what they call normal growth and variations, just like with roses, you've got these variations. So you get pink ones, you get yellow ones, you get tea ones and whatever else there is, but they're all still roses. They're all still roses. So it's the same thing with the fruit of the spirit, that it's all still love. So if you've got joy, it's it's a normal outgrowth of love. If you have peace, it's out of love. If you have long suffering, if you're suffering long about something or with someone, it's because you it's out of love. And I'm not talking about that that um that touchy feely love. I'm talking about the love of God, which is the agape kind of love, which isn't about what you're feeling or what that person is doing or not doing. It's all about that you've just decided to love them. Now, flesh fruit is the direct opposite of spirit fruit. So if spirit fruit is love, what's the direct opposite so you get flesh fruit? Come on. It's hate. It's hate. So instead of love, we have hate. 
And if we use our theory about normal development, variations, and minor changes, we get sorrow, fear or anxiety, impatience, harshness, evil, unbelief, pride, and lust. These things will stem from a root of hate because if you truly are bearing the fruit of love, agape, it's impossible to develop into these to the areas above because of the eternal law of producing after its own kind. So if you have the spirit fruit of love, you can't possibly hate. You can't possibly have fear and anxiety. You can't possibly be impatient with someone or about something. And I think that's the hardest one as I was going through this and everything. Cause you know, we, we're like, we love God, but why hasn't he shown up? You know, and we, we love God and we believe that, that what God said was true, but you know, he hadn't shown up just yet. So we get a little impatient, but if we are operating in this agape love, I'm telling you, it's impossible to go into that. What we're going to do now, we're going to look at some some examples in the word. And Daryl, if you will pull up Matthew 27, and we're going to start in verse 3. And this is a familiar passage for you. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, sorrow, and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned. By betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Sorrow will lead to something even more. He was so sorrowful about what he had done to Jesus Christ. He went out and hung himself. So he's got sorrow going on. All right. Then we talk about fear or anxiety. And if we go to Matthew 25 and start in verse 18, this is the story. Uh, this is the example or the, yeah, this is the example of the parable of the talents. But in 18 is where I want to focus. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not where you where you have not scattered seed 
and I was afraid. And I was afraid. And because he was afraid, he went and hid the talent in the ground. Look, there, is, there you have what is yours. So fear produced nothing. Fear will produce nothing. So when, like I said, so out of this outgrowth of hate, this variation, a variation from that can be fear. You know, how many of us hate spiders? I do. I, Joe, see, Joe, Joe's good. I love Josiah. Josiah stretched up his hand right away. I almost crashed my car messing around with a spider. Okay. Because of fear. And so fear led to, I hate spiders. Had I crashed my car, I really would have despised spiders. But, you know, the car, I looked up in time as the car was going towards the wall. And I kind of righted myself and was like, and then, but then it's that whole thing about where's the spider? It disappeared because I certainly didn't kill it. You know, so at that point, you want to get out and sell the car. Hey, you can have it, you know. But this is what I'm saying is that when we have those types of flesh type fruit, we can get kind of irrational, too. Why do you want to sell your car? It's got a spider in it somewhere. Can you imagine the look on the dealer's face if you bought the car in and said that? They would be like. Should we call somebody for you? You know, but yeah, you know, so it can make you (laughs) be irrational and cause some really, really strange things to go on. So we have sorrow. We have fear or anxiety. Then we have impatience in Genesis 16, one through four. And you guys know this particular account very very well and it says now Sarah Abram's wife had borne him no children and she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar so Sarah said to Abram see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children please go into my maid perhaps I shall obtain children by her and Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah then Sarah then Sarah Abram's wife took Hagar her maid the Egyptian and gave her to her husband Abram, Abram to be his wife after Abram had dealt, dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when he, she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. This is after God has given Abraham all kinds of information about uh, having a child. But he got impatient. When we get impatient, we come up with plans that are amazingly stupid. And then after they kind of go and we see the results and the results aren't quite what we want, we then go, why did I do that? You know, or even worse, we turn around and go, Lord, if you had done what you were supposed to do, I'd have never come up with that really stupid plan. You know? And, and I know I sometimes when 
I'll kind of tell of myself here. When I do that, I know the Lord is sitting up there going, I just, I, I don't believe her. I don't believe she went down that road. But yeah, when we get impatient, then we come up with a plan. And what gets me is that when we come up with that plan, we then say, the Lord gave me this plan. It can be totally against the word of God, the word he's given you personally, and we'll say, the Lord told me to do that. So when it all falls apart, where do we stand with that? Because this fell apart. This is still impacting a group of people today. This impatience, this decision is impacting a group of people to this very day. I sometimes wonder what would have happened if they hadn't done that. You know? I go, Lord, you know, I just sit back and I, I'm like pastor in that case. I go, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out. I'm going to know that answer. So we have impatience. And then we have harshness. And Matthew 18, 23, and 30, we're not going to read the whole thing there, but I do want to go to... um Verse 26 there, instead of starting at 23, we'll jump to 26. It says, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. Now, what this servant owed him wasn't going to make a dent in what he owed the master. It wasn't going to make a dent in it. So why is he making such a big deal about it? But he's dealing with him harshly. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, if you continue to read that, you find out that the master hears about it and the master goes back and says, you know, you wicked servant. But he dealt harshly with his fellow servant. Harshness can come out of hate. Because when I kill a spider, believe you me, I'm harsh. Bang, bang, bang. I mean, it's <laughs> when I'm done with the spider, it doesn't look anything like a spider. None of this pick it up all gentle under a cup or something and put it outside. Oh, no. Take the shoe off. You know. <laughs> and if I didn't get it the first time, the tenth time, I know I've got it, you know. But, you know, people go, oh, no, pick it up. Put a cup over it because it helps nature. Well, it should have stayed outside nature and left my house alone because there's no nature in my house. You know, so (laughs) so we can deal harshly with things. Then as as a variation on hate, you can get evil. You can get evil and. And with that one, we we go to Genesis 4, and those are verses 8 and 9. And I'll need you to pull those up for me because I didn't put it. <laughs> Ooh, that ain't it. 
Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Evil came up. A normal variation of hate. Evil. Because all of a sudden, he, he, he hated his brother, evidently. Because that's, you know, <laughs> it's like, if you loved him, I don't think you'd have, you'd have killed him and left him in the field to die. Unbelief. We have Gideon in Judges 6, 12 through 15. And... It says there, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Well, I can't. I was going to say, you know, if the Lord spoke to me like that, I would just believe what he had to say. But the Lord has spoken to us and still we go, no, I didn't hear that. Is that right? Are you going to call yourself a mighty man of valor? No, we can see that Gideon is not because he says that my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. So we know that the voice Gideon is hearing is the voice of God. But does that stop Gideon from having unbelief? And, you know, a lot of people go through this fleece thing, you know. And the next section is about the fleece. And, you know, Gideon puts out the fleece. And, you know, and he says, you know, if it's, I think, uh, if it's dry and the ground is wet. Okay. Then he goes, if the fleece is wet and the ground is, that's unbelief. That's unbelief. That's all that is, especially when God has said, you are a mighty man of valor. Go out and save Israel. That should be all you need. But no, you know, Gideon goes through this fleece thing and says, "Okay, God, prove yourself to me. Prove yourself to me. And, you know, God is so gracious and so loving and so kind. He did it. He did it. Think about it. And I I thought about that last night. I said, Lord, you were so loving and so kind to Gideon. You did it. When some of us would have said, you know what? I'm done with you. Let me go find a donkey. You know, let me go find someone else who is going to believe what I said. But that's not our God. Because that is that great example of love fruit. God is the greatest example of love fruit that we could ever have. 
pride comes. And we know what God thinks about pride, you know, because he he really, you know, talks about that. But I decided not to go with that scripture. I'm going to go with Matthew 23. In Matthew 23, verse 1, then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. The Pharisees were proud. Then it says, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They were proud. That's why they couldn't hear from Jesus. Because they were like, oh, no, he can't be right. We, we, we the Pharisees, we the Sadducees, you know, he, he can't be right. This, this guy, you know, these 12 guys and he's not taking the best seat at the feast. You know, he, you know, he's humble, you know, and what have you. And, you know, he was doing miracles for a while telling people don't tell anybody. You know, where if they're Pharisees, they'd have probably been shouting it from the rooftop going, see, I healed them. You see me? Hello. Yeah, yeah, you know. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus goes, tell no one. Well, that didn't stop him from telling people, but he said, tell no one. But pride is another thing. Pride will just, I mean, it just causes you to become hard-hearted. Really and truly, when you think about it, pride will cause you to become hard-hearted. Lust. Numbers 11, and we're not going to read all 34 voices, verses with that, but I want to take you to Numbers 11, 34. They're include, you know, if you want to read them, please feel free so to do, do that. But if we go to, uh, let's see, where do I want to go? I know it's Numbers 11, and in verse 33, It says, but while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of the place Kabroth because there they buried the people who had yielded to a craving in the King James that says yielded to lust. It said yielded to lust. When you lust after something, I mean, it's sort of like it's your entire focus. That's all you can think about. All they could think about was they wanted meat. They were tired of that manna stuff that fell from heaven every day. Like God said it was, no, we want meat. We want meat. So God goes, (laughs) okay, okay, here you go. And if you read it, he sent so much quail. They, I mean, it was like, it was amazing. And of course, you know, Dakes gives you all the information about how many quail the Lord sent. And I was like, okay, that's more than enough. But lust, they began to focus on just what they wanted. 
They could not see, you know, what God had provided. And that's what lust will do. That's what flesh, flesh fruits will do. It takes your mind off of what God has done for you or for us. I will say for us as well. I mean, you know, here he parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. He says, you know, and as I said on Sunday, he took he took a stick and a rock and he gave them water because they were thirsty and they were complaining about that. And now, you know, he they were like, okay, and here's manna, but now we want meat. We want meat. So God goes, all right, I'm going to give you some. But their lust blinded them to what God had done for them. In each case, if God kind of love was in operation, we would have had very different results. And that's what I want to do now. I'm going to twist these around and see what kind of results we would have gotten in these exact same situations if we were operating in love. Joy is one of the variations we get from love. So instead of sorrow, what would have happened if Judas had had joy that the Messiah had come and that he was going to do what the Messiah was going to do? Not what Judas wanted him to do, but what God told the Messiah to do. What would have happened if Judas had joy? And I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have hung himself. But we'd have had a different story as well. So, you know, peace. Had peace about who he believed the master to be. If the, if the, the servant or the man with the talent believed and had peace about who the master was, he would have taken his money and put it in the bank. And then the master would have had at least interest because he said, I believed you to be a hard taskmaster. Well, if he had peace about that, peace of what he believed him to be, then he would have known, I need to put this in the bank so he can get a little bit more interest on this thing. So you need, so if you had peace, we would have had a different situation. Patience, and I talked about this a little bit, waited on the Lord's timing. What would be going on in the Middle East today if they had waited on the Lord's timing and there had been no Ishmael? I don't know. Maybe there might have been something further down the line. I don't know, but I just wonder what would have happened gentleness if he had forgiven his fellow servant as he had been forgiven he wouldn't have wound up in jail because he did wind up in jail the master said i'm done with you goodness would not have been an outcast and marked for everyone to know what he had done to his brother because that's what happened to cain he became an outcast But the Lord said, you can't kill him. So we're going to mark him so that, you know, so that Mark told every, how would you like it if, you know, you had done something and you had a Mark that said, that's what you did. And everybody you met go, I know what you did. 
Look at that. I know what you did. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what his life was like after that. But as an offshoot, if he had been, if there was goodness, if he had worked with his brother, because I'm sure he could have worked with his brother to get the offering that he needed to give to God. You know, you just go, hey, I'll give you a banana. Give me a cow. You know, come on. All right, so what? You you need an apple and a banana for the cow here. Yeah, because he needed he needed a blood offering. You ain't getting blood from that apple. You ain't getting blood from that banana. So I'm going to give you some fruit and you give me a cow. And of course, and thinking about the type of person Abel was, Abel would have probably gave him a cow. And said, here, keep your fruit. I'll just give it to you because I love you. That's what love would have done. But instead, in this case, we got evil and we got murder out of it. What would have happened if instead of Gideon operating in unbelief with the fleeces, if he had operated in belief? All he would have said to God each time, I believe, is, this is what you want me to do? Yes, sir. That's what belief will do, is that when God says, this is what you need to do, yes, sir. I can't stand here and tell any of you that I do that every time. Sometimes I go kicking and screaming. But I go. I go. I'm trying to get better so that I go quicker. Because when I go quicker, I get it over with quicker, you know, that type of thing. But I, I'm going quicker. It used to take me really a long time when God spoke to me about certain things. I would have these discussions. And we might have the discussion for days or weeks. And then after a while, I go, oh, I'm just, I'm just done with this discussion. All right, already. I will do this, you know. So, but if we would go and just believe God in what he tells us to do right away, the results, we would get the results right away. We would have the things we need right away. So if Gideon had just said, yes, sir, how much more would he have accomplished as a judge for Israel? He would have accomplished so much more. Meekness. Learned what God wanted them to do for people. The Pharisees were all about themselves. They were all about themselves. They didn't care about the people. If you read that passage again, it talked about them putting heavy burdens on the people. You know, this whole thing about the Sabbath. I remember a friend of mine lived next door to some Orthodox Jews. And... um it was the Sabbath, and they needed their lights. They wanted their lights on. And it was sort of like they were trying to figure out how to turn the lights on. It got dark because uh, they must have missed the, the time frame of when they could work. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Because it was like... I was like, uh, what? She said, yeah, they were trying to get the lights on. So they left their house 
and came over to my friends and asked them to turn the lights on. I said, but they left the house. They walked over to your house. Isn't that wrong? I was so confused. So she said, we went over and we turned the lights on. Or maybe a fuse blew. So it was like they couldn't work to fix the fuse. That's what it was. They couldn't work to fix the fuse. I, I, I was like, is that, the, is that the kind of God you serve? That you're going to sit there and the, and the fuse is blown in your house? I just, I was just amazed. But those are the kinds of things that the Pharisees did to the people. Not to themselves, mind you. The, the, the example clearly says they didn't put those hardships on themselves. They put them on the people. That's not love. That's not love. They didn't, and they didn't learn what God wanted them to do for the people. Cause Jesus came for that peace, but they wouldn't listen to him. Temperance. I believe that if the the Israelites who left Egypt operated in temperance, they wouldn't have wandered 40 years in the desert till they died. It was all about their focus, you know, because at one point in time, they would like, take us back to Egypt. We had pots of meat. We want leeks. We want garlic. I was like, pots of meat? You were slaves. They wouldn't even bring you straw to help you make bricks. How are you saying they gave you meat? No, no. You probably had water and broth and some bread that you made up for yourself. But that's the example, that's the shifting of flesh fruit and spirit fruit. Those are the differences between them and what they can give you. I believe also that spirit fruit gives you great gifts, great gifts. And it doesn't necessarily mean monetarily. I think people who operate in spiritual fruit have great relationships. They have friends. You know, above all, they have peace. And you know what? Peace is a good thing. Because these days, there's everything out there trying to remove your peace from you. Take your peace, take your joy, causing you not to be gentle with people. I read some things on Facebook and I go, I'm done. I can't. You can't have an opinion on Facebook without everybody just leaping on it and carrying on and calling all kinds of names. And I'm like, that's not gentleness. That's not gentleness. So I'm just like, okay, people. So if you're operating and you're producing spirit fruit, oh, man. What a great way to live your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, like I said, and I'm sure that you guys can go through the word of God and find a lot more to twist this around because I'm telling you, I twisted it around pretty good on my own. And there are other examples in the word of God that shows you this 
law in operation. And, you know, because originally I had, I think I had David and Bathsheba in there because David lusted after Bathsheba and that led to murder because he, he meant led to lies and murder and mayhem. And they tell you, you have to watch TV. You don't have to watch TV. Read the word of God. <laughs> you can find some good stuff in there. But yeah, we need to be about spiritual fruit and not flesh fruit. Since everything produces after its own kind, and everything does, it all produces after its own kind. So um, if if you're trying to if you're trying to get spiritual stuff, you can't be hating, you can't be lusting. You can't be evil. You can't be harsh. You're not going to get spiritual fruit that way. You only get spiritual fruit God's way with love. If you want what God has for you, make sure the fruit you are producing is coming from your spirit and not your flesh. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have placed into operation these laws to help us. Law is not a bad word, Lord. You've put into place things that will operate eternally and they will operate for a time. And we thank you for them, Lord, because they're there to help us. They're there to support us. They're there to protect us and to keep us. As we go, Father God, we thank you that as we pursue spiritual fruit, Father, it enriches our lives. It enriches not just our relationships here on earth, but our relationship with you. Again, we thank you. And as we go from this place, Father God, I thank you that you protect and keep everyone here in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, did I fill in all your blanks? Okay, which one, which ones did you miss? Hmm? Everything was created by God and given the power to reproduce after its own kind. Number two, after more than 6,000 years, the law of reproduction is still unbroken. No one thing could break this law and produce any other kind. Anything else? Hmm? No bug, that one? No bug, bird, or animal has ever changed from its own kind or reproduced another kind which was fertile and could produce a new kind. (laughs) A new kind. Well, it was on... All species exist in greater variety, and these are variations, normal growth, or minor changes within the same species or kind. Wow, I missed them all, didn't I? Man, I was running through that, huh? 
Variations, normal growth, or minor changes within the same species or kind. 